Amen. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your walls, O Zion. It is good to be in church with you today. I am Kent French, senior pastor. I'm Amy Norton, associate pastor. We are here with our seminarian, Juliana Mogashanu, and with our media producer, Stephen Tribaldi, our fantastic chancel choir. And also, we welcome again Kevin Gallier, who is with us, who's been a friend of this church for at least three decades and is back with us from Germany while Susan is taking a well-deserved Sunday off. Please go ahead and have a seat. It is always good to welcome you and everyone into United Parish in Brookline, where we are at the very least American Baptist, United Church of Christ, United Methodist, and, and a whole lot more. Uh, if we have some children who'd like to help us with a very, come on down, yes. If you'd like to help us, James, with a uh, special welcome here. We especially want to welcome our guests this morning. So if you're visiting today and would like a flower, our kids would like to bring you a flower. You can bring one up here to the organist, too, because he's visiting us again from Germany. Hold your hand up high so they can see you. We've got plenty of flowers, so if you just need a flower, go ahead and do that. Way up high. Children's sight lines are a little low down, so you're going to have to really wildly wave around for them to see you. And if you are joining us online this morning, wherever you are joining us from, your kitchen, your dining room, your bedroom, you are welcome here as well. If you are a visitor, if this is your first time worshiping with us, you'll notice that there's a few links in the video description for how you can get in more involved with the service. There is a link to the PDF of the order of worship so that you can follow along. There is a link for how you can contribute to this morning's offering collection. And there is also a virtual visitor card so that you can leave us your contact information and we can reach out to you and welcome you more fully into our community. And similarly, if you are a visitor in our sanctuary this morning and you would like to leave your contact information with us and you did not already check in with our ushers, you can also, you'll notice there's a little visitor card in your pew that you could fill out and leave that in the offering collection as your offering to us because we tell our guests each Sunday that if you are new to us, your presence is your gift. Again, I say it's good to be in worship with you today. God is always present, waiting for us to show up. So for whatever reason you've come today, whether it's known to you or whether you're trying to live into it, it is good that you are here. We're now going to settle into a little prayer as our choir leads us in prayerful song.
Let us continue in prayer. Gracious, mighty, Holy Spirit, dwell with us here. Help us to remember the ways this week in which your love and your justice, your forgiveness, your kindness, and your compassion flowed through us. For we made those choices to live into your kind of will in our lives. And that we may feel your smile as you see us working in concert with you to touch this world in healing ways. We come here again today remembering that we often get out of step, out of tune, out of rhythm with you. And so together we recommit ourselves with a centering prayer of confession that we say together from our worship order, let us pray together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have turned away from you in our thoughts, words, and deeds by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We do not always love you with our whole heart. We do not always love our neighbors as ourselves. We come into our your presence desiring to return to you for the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We seek your compassion and your forgiveness that we may go forth to delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. For the prayers we sing and say aloud, and for those said only in our hearts, O oh God, in your compassion, hear our prayer. And let the people say, Amen. Amen. Sisters and brothers, siblings, children of God, please rise for some good news. As we like to say, we believe in a God who loves us just the way we are and loves us too much to let us stay that way. God who knows the very best and the very worst about us, who is always willing to work with us again to walk in love and forgiveness and compassion and justice and to help us do that together. If you believe in this kind of God of forgiveness, of love and acceptance a little bit, if you believe in this God with your whole soul, or if you're just trying to believe in something today, I invite you to say amen. Amen. Confident in God's love and God's forgiveness. We're invited to share that love and forgiveness wherever we are. And we start here with a holy greeting. The peace of Christ and the love of God be with you always. Let us greet one another in holy ways. Peace. 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 
lift up our ears, minds, hearts, and souls across time and space to hear anew the word of God for us today. Throughout the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, we hear repeated admonishing to welcome the stranger. For instance, from the book of Leviticus, we read, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do them wrong. Shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love them as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And from the Gospel of Matthew, we remember well how Jesus told his followers how it would go on the day of judgment. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my parent, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. I wrote to you this week how I'm excited to introduce you to one of my most cherished friends who, uh, first of all, is a fantastic cook. And unfortunately, I didn't invite her here today to cook for all of us, but uh, she's taught me a lot about cooking. And in fact, on sabbatical, I got to take a cooking class with her in Florence, Italy, which was a cool high point of the sabbatical. The reason I invited Lisa here today is because she and her husband, Peter, who were regular dining companions of Robert and me, is has deepened her practice of hospitality over the past several years by opening up their home, first to Syrian refugees, then Afghani refugees, and currently to Ukrainian refugees. And I know in the past this congregation has helped, I believe, a Cambodian family, and there's also been interest in how we might open up our homes to other people. So I invited Lisa to come here and to preach in tandem with our church school curriculum about making room for God in how we make room for God for one another. So please give a warm United Parish welcome to my good friend, Lisa Weinstock. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Um, so back in November of 2016, while completely overwhelmed by the results of the recent presidential election, 
I was flipping through the monthly bulletin of the temple my husband and I belong to, Temple Beth Elohim in Wellesley, when something caught my eye. It was the featured article on the Syrian refugee resettlement effort that we had heard about during the high holidays earlier that fall. I'd been very interested in learning more about this program, but as a school teacher, the rush of the new school year had gotten my full attention and I had sort of forgotten about it. The article mentioned an informational meeting later that same week and I decided that I would attend. As an interfaith couple, my husband Peter and I had made the decision years ago to join both a temple and a church. And through the years, I'd been very involved in our church, which is where I got to know Kent. And although we always attended high holidays at the temple, and both of our children had gone through the Hebrew school program, I personally had never been involved in any other programs or groups uh, myself at the temple, so I wasn't sure what to expect. The evening of the meeting, I entered a room that very quickly became standing room only. After an introductory presentation and an overview of the resettlement program, the person leading the meeting asked people to share why they were interested in becoming involved in the resettlement effort. One after the other, people spoke of needing to do something something to feel as though they were having a positive impact in a time of such negativity. And in that moment, I remembered an excerpt from a book I had read called Half the Sky. The author retold this Hawaiian parable, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. A man goes out on the beach and sees that it is covered with starfish that have washed up in the tide. A little boy is walking along, picking them up and throwing them back into the water. What are you doing, son? The man asks. You see how many starfish there are. You'll never make a difference. The boy paused thoughtfully and picked up another starfish and threw it into the ocean. It sure made a difference to that one, he said. The ocean of refugees in this world is vast. The United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees estimated that at the end of 2021 that there were 89.3 million forcibly displaced people in the world. And that is a very overwhelming number. So like many others at the meeting that night, I decided to try and move out of the state of overwhelm and focus on something that I could do, something that might make a difference. I began small. I joined the household setup committee that was in charge of setting up the home that was rented for the first refugee family sponsored by the temple. We spent a weekend making the house a home with donations from temple members and quite a few runs to Target. The family arrived in February 2017 and by that time, events in the country and decisions coming from the White House were again causing that feeling of overwhelm to grow. So I signed on to the Education Committee within the Refugee Resettlement Group, and I began doing English lessons 
with the mother of the family who had arrived. Although I have been an elementary school educator for 20 plus years, I had never worked with an adult who spoke no English. Those early lessons were filled with lots of pictures and visuals, hand gestures, Google Translate, and a lot of smiles. And without fail, every time I arrived, I was welcomed with delicious Syrian tea and cookies. Over time, Ozma and I traded roles. She taught me how to make kibbeh, a delicious spiced meatball, and the most wonderful tabbouleh I have ever tasted. Our hour-long tutoring sessions often stretched to two hours as we laughed over the tea and played with her four children. That summer, when it was announced that the U.S. would stop admitting refugees, we were approached about providing temporary housing for another Syrian refugee family. The mother needed urgent medical care, and the resettlement agency, Jewish Family Services of Metro West, was trying to get the family to the U.S. before the borders closed. But no housing had been secured for them yet. If I'm being honest, we didn't immediately say yes. I was unsure about taking on what felt like such a big commitment, and I was nervous about being able to provide what this family might need, given the trauma that they had experienced and the medical road the mother now faced. But after several long discussions, Peter and I decided to host the family. I did not know the verse from Hebrews 13 at the time. Don't neglect to open up your homes to guests, because by doing this, some have been hosts to angels without knowing it. But I truly believe that we were being guided to make the decision we did. And in doing so, we absolutely were hosts to angels. Isra, the 11-year-old daughter, let us know the very first night she arrived that she was going to learn English, she was going to study hard, and she was going to become a nurse so that she could help make her mother well. Every day during the four months the family was with us, Isra would come over and practice her English. She would watch cartoons, she would use the books that she had received from some of the volunteers, and she began playing with some of the neighborhood children. And today, just five years later, Isra is a junior in high school, enrolled in a pre-nursing vocational program, and on track to graduate with honors. And although Hind, her mom, still struggles with her English today, by the time the family moved out of our home and into their own apartment, she and I had both become fluent in a single phrase. I love you, Lisa. Ahibuk ayedan. I love you too, Hind. Over the past six years, we have hosted angels from Syria, Afghanistan, and now the Ukraine. In speaking with Kent about sharing my experiences today, he gave me lots to think about. He gave me lots of questions to ponder and information to consider. He told me that the New Testament Greek word for angels actually means messengers from God, 
and he asked if our guests were godly messengers in any way. And I can say without a doubt that they were and they continue to be. During this year's Rosh Hashanah service, the rabbi quoted Viktor Frankl, the renowned psychologist and Holocaust survivor, who said, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way, and this is the message that Peter and I have received over and over and over again through the gift of being able to host these angels at our home. These people have had everything taken from them, family, homes, livelihoods, and yet they have all chosen to live in gratitude and love, embracing their new lives and their new friends. And we have been given this gift this reminder of how we can choose to live our own lives in gratitude and love, as our new friends have chosen to do. Making the choice we did to welcome the stranger is something we are grateful for every day. Thank you.
God, we are coming to you with our hopes and dreams and prayers, and we are lifting them up to you. We welcome all to add your own prayers aloud from the pews. We pray first for our United Parish community. For Karen in hospice care at home, currently pain-free and in good spirits. For Ellie as she continues to recover after a setback from surgery and her family as they care for her. Anne's daughter, Becky, that she may recover fully and quickly from shoulder surgery. For Jenna, our nursery coordinator after surgery. For Mary, as she continues to recover from knee replacement surgery. And we pray for those beyond our walls of our sanctuary. We pray for Prabhu's relatives in India who have been involved in an accident. We pray for Millie, who is dealing with severe health issues. We pray for the teachers in Haverhill and Malden as they prepare to strike tomorrow in pursuit of fair wages and adequate support for their students. And we pray for all workers among us who know that the most powerful tool a worker can have is the ability to withhold their labor. And we pray for all the visitors to Thrifty Threads and the Brookline Food Pantry, that their visits might leave their spirits warmed and their bodies taken care of and nourished. For my relative Indiana involved in an accident in India, Millie, who is dealing with severe health issues, also pray for nation and wider world. For Jews around the world who are celebrating the week-long Holy Day of Sukkot, reminding us all of our ancestors and of our human frailty. For the women of Iran putting their lives on the line to speak out against injustice. For our nation as elections approach, we pray that all eligible voters exercise their right to vote and that they open their ears and hearts to the voices of the disenfranchised or ineligible members of our society. We pray for all the children suffering violence and trauma. God, bring them peace. We pray for the women and political prisoners of Iran, that their demands for, in, for justice and freedom may be accomplished now. As Jesus taught us, we are now born to pray. Our Creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Hello? Ah, Good morning. There's a single mom living in Brookline with two young children whose apartment is so badly infested with mice and insects that they cover her stove constantly. She says she hasn't been able to use her stove to cook for her children for months. There's a large hole behind a kitchen cabinet that allows mice in every day. Her landlord has occasionally sent the exterminator, but it hasn't seemed to help. And her work order request for repairing that hole has gone unheeded for months. There's a grandmother living in Brookline who's raising two young grandchildren. Her asbestos floor tiles are disintegrating, leaving dangerous flaking asbestos particles within reach of the young ones. It took months of urgent requests to her landlord before they did some environmental testing which confirmed the asbestos content, but she still waits the abatement process. There's a disabled woman confined to a wheelchair, living in an apartment building with a constantly failing intercom system. She requires frequent visits to her doctor, but misses many of these appointments because the driver who comes to pick her up uses the buzzer, finds no response, assumes no one is home, and drives away. I'm David Rockwell, and my wife, Deborah Hall, and I joined the United Parish in the mid-1990s. We've both been active in many ways since joining, and we treasure this community deeply as a place to explore our faith and be in community. I have, in, in the past, served as treasurer, co-directed the Children's Choir for about 12 years, and Deb and I joyfully sing in Susan's Choir. More recently, I joined the Stretching Into Justice ministry team and as a retired affordable housing professional familiar with the housing problems, I am so grateful to the Stretching team and to our pastors for the support they have offered me and others to raise up the affordable housing issue as the crisis that it is. Back to my stories. These women and their families reside in Brookline Public Housing, owned and managed by the Brookline Housing Authority. 
Even as I tell these very problematic stories, I want to emphasize that our town is blessed with a hardworking housing authority responsible for about 980 units of affordable public housing. And they do many things effectively, creative, creatively, and well, with compassion for their nearly 4,000 residents. But our housing authority, like all 242 housing authorities in Massachusetts, depend fundamentally on federal and state operating and capital money to pay the bills, conduct needed repairs, and undertake larger capital projects when a roof develops leaks, a boiler fails, or a building needs structural work. And this funding support, coming from a mix of federal funds approved by Congress and state funds approved by the state legislature, has been woefully, woefully inadequate for decades, particularly on the state side. As a result, the properties, most of them built before 1950, naturally deteriorate, leaving their residents exposed to unhealthy and even dangerous building conditions. And if the needs of these buildings are not addressed soon, many of the 43,000 units in the state public housing portfolio will have to be shut down, forcing these residents into shelters or even homelessness. I and others at the United Parish have learned of these things because of our church's involvement in the Greater Boston Interfaith Organization, GBIO. GBIO is an interfaith network of about six, of 62 faith organizations. It was founded in 1998. The members are churches, synagogues, mosques, and other community organizations. And they work at the state and local government levels to make concrete differences in people's lives with political action campaigns directed at the state legislature and sometimes at decision makers in local communities. All the while emphasizing racial equity and developing leadership skills among its members. UP joined you know, uh, GBIO in June of 2021, which last year adopted three overall campaign themes, affordable housing, reentry services for returning citizens, and mental health programming. My deep thanks to Carolyn Melby and Michael McCune for stepping up as our church's GBIO liaisons. It's not a simple task. I am UP's uh, uh, captain for for the housing campaign. Mark Jones is the uh, captain for the GBIO's reentry program for returning citizens, and Carolyn is also tracking the mental health campaign activities. Please contact any of us if you would like to get involved. Although th these three campaigns will take a few years to reach their goals, we have already met with some important successes. An unprecedented commitment by Boston's Mayor Wu for $50 million for a large and badly deteriorating public housing property in Jamaica Plain, a dramatically increased budget for the mayor's new office of returning citizens, and the hiring of mental health caseworkers, providing services to those involved in the mass and cast street encampment. And here in Brookline, a $2 million increase from $4 million to $6 million in COVID relief funding for repairs at two of Brookline's neediest public housing properties. I'm happy to say that the Brookline GBIO team has been able to get the housing authority's attention to the serious building failures I mentioned and they appear to be on their way to being solved for these three households. But the overall funding problem remains. And that's why the Brookline GBIO team decided to lead the way to urge the GBIO board of directors to approve a new campaign, a campaign to convince the state legislature in the session starting in January to make game-changing increases to the public housing budgets to bring that operating support where it needs to be and to address the deferred maintenance that has resulted from these decades of underfunding. 
And this is where your pay comes in. Next Sunday at the, after church, October 23rd, we will have a lunch meeting in the parlor on public housing. First, Brookline Housing Authority's Executive Director, Michael Alperin, will, will come and update us on some exciting news. The groundbreaking this spring of the Authority's redevelopment of the obsolete public housing for seniors at 32 Marion Street, just up, up and across the street from our church. This project will replace six two-story buildings, now housing 60 seniors, buildings from the 1940s without elevators and in poor states of repair, with a new state-of-the-art six-story elevated building providing 115 units of housing for low-income seniors, almost double the existing unit count. The building will have excellent amenities and be built to the highest green building standard known as Passive House for efficient and fuel-free energy performance. The project's permit, and you be, we did as a neighbor publicly support our support for the project. It's got its financing and it's ready to go. It will be a wonderfully new affordable housing resource in our town. So come here, Michael's good news. Then Michael, who is a leader among housing authority directors in the state, will be talking about the critical issues I've been describing about funding. He's very concerned about this problem. He will not mince words. Come here and learn. And then after we've heard from Michael, we will pivot to a GBIO-led discussion of the proposed public housing campaign when we all can learn how we at United Parish can, can help. There will be brief statements from a public housing resident who was one of several such public housing tenants that have joined GBIO in this campaign. And we'll hear from another GBI leader about how the campaign will work, how it will unfold as the legislative session begins in January. GBIO's leadership wants to see what level of support there is across its member institutions for our proposed public housing campaign. And so 10 or 12 congregations like ours are hosting meetings like this to take a measure of our members' interest. There's absolutely no obligation, but if you come and are moved by what you learn, you can learn about ways you can join the campaign and help. If you do open yourself up to the needs of these neighbors, you might find yourself entertaining those angels that Eric and Lisa have told us about today. Whether you do so or not, at the very least, I am sure you will come away with a new awareness of this extremely important affordable housing problem in our community. We'll have you out by 2 p.m., and I, so I hope you will join us next Sunday. We are counting heads so that we buy the right amount of food, so look for an email going out tomorrow through our Realm system where you can provide an RSP, RSVP. If you're not on Realm, you can notify Sarah in the office or email me at the email address you can find in the announcement in the stretching section of our bulletin. But an RSVP is not required. All who want to come will be most welcome. If we run short of food, I'll give you my sandwich. Thank you so much for listening to this offering message. Today's offering will benefit the Jewish Family Service Metro West, the organization with which our speaker, Lisa, has been able to host refugees. If you are with us today for the first time, your presence is gift enough to us. Feel free to pass the offering basket by. If you are a UP member or friend, please give generously to the life of our church. The ushers will now bring forth the offering. Thank you.
pray together. Loving God, we give thanks for these gifts and for the abundance they represent, for all the hard work, careful planning, and generosity they bring to this table. Bless them, we pray, that they may be holy gifts that welcome the stranger, that give sustenance to those who need it, all in your namesake. For this we say thank you and let the people say amen. We join in singing again our final hymn, number 495, called as Partners in Christ's Service, found in your hymnal, number 495.
glad that all of you have joined us today in worship, whether in person or online. I invite you all who are here to join us out on the lawn on this beautiful day where we will have fellowship hour with our gathering team. Lisa and I will be there if you would like to ask any questions about her experience and what you heard today. Also, just to let you know that directly after fellowship hour, there will be our wills and wishes workshop continuing in the parlor, part two of three parts this month. Please come and join us for that. Also, our new member classes are starting next week with a tour immediately following worship. This will be about half an hour. We'll meet in the Marion Street lobby, and then the subsequent classes will be happening in the weeks ahead. And then also, you might have heard that we will not be hosting our big Thanksgiving meal this year. Um, there will be many opportunities to get involved with the Brookline Food Pantry's Thanksgiving efforts, and you can read the full announcement about the Thanksgiving meal in your bulletin this week. Many good things of God's work in our church that is printed for you. With you in mind, please browse it. Also, you'll see we were on Chronicle on Channel 5 on Thursday night. You may want to go back to their website and check that out. I invite you to greet one another as we go to let the Christ candle come down the hall of the aisle ahead of us. But for now, let us receive this blessing. May we remember that God is always with us in our welcome, in our receiving, in our giving, and in our being guests and learners, all of us. May we walk with confidence in God's grace. May we carry God's love with us wherever we go. And we, may we remember that we walk as treasured and beloved children of the most divine. And the blessing of God, creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit be with all of us this day and evermore. And let the people say, Amen. Amen.